my recommendation would be do the hard thing. I think athletes tend to do things that's in their wheelhouse. I know I was guilty of that as an athlete. Like, oh, I'm Kevin the football player because I'm good at football. You know, as opposed to being like, I'm also interested in architecture, but I don't want to take that CAD class because I'm like too cool for CAD or something. Like, I don't know. That's the tough thing to do. And by putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation that doesn't have all your buddies in the class and has other kids with different skills and interest levels and stuff like that, that's where you grow. Welcome back to another episode of the Heads and Tails podcast. This month, I'm sharing an interview I did with Morris Sussex Sports about athletes and mental health. In this episode, I share many of the lessons I learned from my guests over the past five years, which includes finding an identity outside of sports, defining toughness, and the value of diving headfirst into the unknown. Just don't forget your helmet, of course. Dr. Susan Lorenz and Dr. Jane Esposito from the Sparta Wellness Center facilitate this conversation and add tremendous clinical insights into these topics as well. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Som, and each week I bring you an inspiring athlete story of perseverance or expert knowledge in the field of sports health and safety. Just like flipping a coin, you can't control what happens to you in sports or in life. You can always control how you respond. This is my response after suffering a traumatic brain injury in a high school football game, and I hope it leaves you feeling both inspired and informed. So let's get things cooking, okay? So this is really going to be um, their show. We're going to kind of take a step back. We'll introduce everybody. We'll get things cooking. So I'm going to start off by bringing on uh, Dr. Uh, Jane Esposito from Sparta's Aligned Wellness Center, as well as Dr. Susan Lorenz. Doctors, thank you so much for coming on and being part of this. Thank you. It's great to be here. We're looking forward to it. Absolutely. And you know what? Let's bring on our the man of the hour, Kevin Som. Kevin, hey, thanks so much for joining us, too. We're really excited to have really all, all four of you, or five of you, five of us. So yeah, Thanks uh, for the opportunity. Absolutely. So, Dr. Esposito, maybe I'll kick it over to you since, uh, you know, maybe you could tell a little bit about what the Align Wellness Center in Sparta is, and then uh, we'll hand it over to you. Thank you so much. And, and right back at you guys, we're you know, when we did that first show with you, we, we told you then, we're like, we're coming back. <laughs> so um, really appreciate you having us and just um, so glad that we're able to, you know, partner um, with all of each other to talk about this, you know, very important topic, our student athletes, their mental health. So Dr. Lorenz and I, um, you know, work within the uh, Sparta High School Align Wellness Center, which is an after-school counseling center at Sparta High School. And, you know, among, amongst the uh, myriad of services, you know, we do counseling, counseling services and wellness services. One of our main missions is to destigmatize mental health. You know, the message that we're really promoting um, for our youth and, and all of our students is that it, it doesn't really matter, like, what you identify with, who you identify with, what your interests are, that if you are having, you know, any type of mental health concerns, that it, it's okay to, to reach out and, and ask for support. So that that's really the message. One of the groups, though, that, that we were finding, you know, while we we're um, doing our counseling services is that we're finding that our student athletes are, are this, this silent group of very strong kids. And, you know, almost like they, they have to be referred to us, like they're not, you know, seeking out the services like some of the maybe perhaps some of the other students are and it doesn't really matter like it could be a football player basketball player a dancer uh you know 
it, it seems that, you know, sometimes it starts, you know, with an injury. Sometimes it's just them dealing with, you know, some of the normal angst that, that teenagers go through. But we, we definitely want to start those conversations about how do we help um, these students mitigate, you know, some of the feelings that they have, that it's okay that they put on such a strong show of force for us, right? But um, meanwhile, you know, they may be experiencing those those highs and lows of, you know, emotional feelings that they may have. And we just want them to, you know, we're here. So um, so when we, we heard of, you know, Kevin, Kevin Salm and, you know, everything that he's going through, we're like, okay, we, we, you know, we have to get together on this. So, so thank you. A lot of times our student athletes, we view that their participation in their sport is a protective factor. It brings them a lot of self-esteem. It gives them a lot of focus and energy and that brain body connection in terms of the healthy lifestyles they have to adopt. And I think one of the things we've noticed more and more is that we need to really be mindful of that balance between the, you know, how much their involvement can be a protective factor, but what are some things in their life that might occur or are occurring under the surface, um, either suddenly or gradually, that could cause that balance to tip and um, that then they are now at risk because they are not immune to, like Dr. Esposito said, to any of those other risk factors that other teenagers are, you know, at risk for. So we really have to kind of make sure we keep them on our radar you know, despite all of the other accolades they may receive or the self-esteem they may derive from the sport that they're in. But we do want to make sure that we pay attention to their to their needs. That's really phenomenal that that program even exists for these young people, you know, for all those reasons that you just suggested. So so maybe, Kevin, um, if, if you, you can kind of, you know, start us off on in terms of you know, oftentimes our students, it's it's their identity, right, that they become so enmeshed with that athlete identity, that if something happens, that they get injured, or if they're just not feeling like that toughness, right? Because a lot of times what we see too is, you know, they they keep going, you know, it's not like they, you know, they, they fall on our radar because they're not showing up to their sports. It's, it's like experiencing these emotional highs and lows, but they're still getting out there on that field and on that court, you know, um, and so they're, it's almost like they're embarrassed to say that they, or they identify like a mental health concern as, as a weakness. So that's what we just kind of want to shed light upon. Like, it's okay to, to you not know, be okay. Yeah, to not be okay. Exactly. Yeah. So I have a question about that protective factor that you had mentioned, Dr. Lorenz. Can you just explain that a little bit more? And then I'll try to re- relate that into the athlete identity in my, the best that I can. Sure. You know, when we look at right now, we're talking about, you know, students, right? But when we're looking, uh, thinking about people in terms of are they vulnerable, are they at risk to experience some kind of mental health issue? We look at, you know, what is going on in their life that is positive? What brings them uh, a sense of self-esteem, a sense of belonging, a sense of competence? What kind of healthy habits do they have? Um, What kind of supports and resources do they have? And those things are called protective factors. Okay. Um, so a lot of times are, are we kind of see that our student athletes um, or really any population of people that's very much involved in something that they're passionate about or they're good at, not only do they find like-minded people, which can be a sense of support, they have other adults involved in their life also that can offer support to them. And so we, you know, those are protective factors a lot of times for our student athletes, being able to keep uh, that routine, being able to keep exercise in, in their lives on a daily basis, you know, the assumption that maybe they're eating healthier and sleeping being more regularly balancing their stresses and that they are part of a group and that they enjoy what they're doing and that that makes them feel good about themselves. So that's kind of the protective 
factors. Right. So, so sport in this context is that protective factor. It can be. Yep. It can offer a lot of really nice things um, for a teenager's life, right? Yeah, no, I agree. And I definitely resonate with, with that with, with my story. So, you know, just to give like a, a brief background to the audience, you know, I, like George had mentioned, I suffered a traumatic brain injury in a high school football game, kind of largely due to what we've recently, what you guys were mentioning was this like afraid to say something kind of like I'm strong and seeing mental health as like a weakness type deal was that I I was afraid to tell my coach that I had a headache because I was, I thought a headache, you know, like I don't want to not play because I don't want to see like I'm soft or I'm not tough like that, that, you know, in high school and 17 years old, you think tough is just having like big muscles and playing through injuries and, you know, being macho or whatever. That's like your typical definition of toughness. When in reality, the hardest thing I could have done that night was tell my coach that I couldn't play because I was hurt and I couldn't perform to the, the best of my ability there. You know, to kind of fast forward the story, once I got hurt and ended up going to the hospital, I was getting wheeled into surgery to have head surgery. And the, the you know, the surgeon literally told me as I'm being wheeled into surgery, like, you will never set foot on a football field again. And that was like the biggest hit to, you know, my identity because going into that game, I had never prepared for that being my last game. You know, like I never thought about not having football after that night or after that game. And all of a sudden what I had projected my whole life at that time being was stripped away from me completely. And I had nothing to go back on. I was still Kevin Som, the football player, you know, that's all I thought I was. So that was a really hard thing for me to do. And honestly, like even like three, four years ago, like even saying that statement and telling that part of my story Mm -hmm. of like the doctor told me I couldn't play football anymore. I would literally get choked up and cry until I was like 27 years old. I'm 31 right now, but it took a lot of work to get to that point, which was seeing, you know, get clinical providers like yourself to talk it through. And to be honest, it was really stepping into the unknown and finding a new skill and things that I initially wasn't good at and kind of translating that to, all right, well, in sports, you know, I love the process. My team was terrible when I played. We won like two games my senior year. We were terrible. So like I didn't play. I didn't enjoy football because of the wins. That definitely wasn't the case. Like I enjoyed the process. I enjoyed the hustle. I enjoyed the training of it. Like that was what was fun to me and and the friends and whatever. So until I kind of shifted that mindset into a new creative outlet, I didn't really figure it out. And the people that I met and stuff along the way, you know, I kind of learned little tidbits that I took with me and kind of turned it into my my new identity, which is less about what I do and more about how I do it. I work in healthcare now and it's a job that if you told me when I was 17, I'd be like, yeah, sweet dude, like not cool or sexy at all, but I'm I'm okay with it because I know that's not who I am. You know, I show up to work every day and I come with energy and enthusiasm and try to make the people around me better. And just like I did in sports, you know, and it's easier for me to separate that too when I focus more on the how I show up as opposed to like the what I actually do, you know, because I think I would still be struggling with that kind of mental game of like, oh, like really, I'm Kevin Sound, the practice manager at Atlantic Health, you know, like, you know, it's easy to kind of fall into that when you don't have a, a strong foundation, which most high school athletes like myself, you know, don't have. Well, that, that's a, um, a very compelling story, Kevin. And, and I think it's, you know, you, you speak for a lot of our athletes, like I said, um, that we've come across that are, are just really struggling with how do they rebuild themselves? 
advice do you, do you have for them um, now as they're, you know, just going through their, their daily grind to, you know, when you talk about protective factor to deal with the stressors that they, that they may have, you know, because they, they, they do feel like it's, it's kind of like a, a weakness for them, right? If they're anxious, oftentimes what I hear is, that, or what I interpret is, is that, you know, they feel like they're only as good as the last game they play, right? You know, there's a lot of like anxiety about, you know, no matter how much you tell them, like, wow, you know, you, you, you're amazing. Like you had a great game. Look what you did, you know, and the whole team, but then they just get so like down on themselves. Like if they had one bad game, you're saying, or. Yeah. I think it's just the mentality that, you know, the, it's, it, I, I, I guess it's the competitive nature or, or it's that self-concept that they just don't feel like you know, in some way they're going to let their team down if they don't have as good as a game as they had last weekend. Truly, you know, it's a, it's a mental state, right? Yeah, no. And, and I agree. And I, I think I would go back to what I kind of just said in, in some regard in terms of like the, what, like in that scenario, the athlete comes in and they say, I had a, like, I had a really bad game. That was my last, the last game I, I played terrible. I messed up. I did whatever. If you focus on like the result, and like what happened in that scenario, okay, yeah, like you're not going to feel too good about yourself. But to me, it's more about how you showed up to that game. Like if you showed up and you still tried your hardest and you took every step with aggression and authority and like purpose and the cars just didn't go your way, then you got to be okay with that. And then know that you have a next game and you still have that how the how you can control is the the what's you can't you have no control over those things and i think that's where the anxiety would come from because it's not within your grasp and i think when i i try to relate it the thing that comes to mind is like when i was 17 i think what i wanted the most was like affirmation from my coach like i wanted my coach to think that i was tough i was the best player that he's ever coached that when he went up on the whiteboard and was talking about former players or whatever like one day he'd be like oh yeah 37 like kevin Sam. so that's like an external factor that i had no control over like at all and that was like a that's a what you know as opposed to like focusing on my how like how i show up every single day you know that that translates into other things so I could have tried to do that for years and it would have never gone anywhere because I don't have control over that. But each and every day, you know, I control how I, how I show up. So I, I almost feel, and, and please, if I'm, I feel like I'm hearing you say that a lot of times, some of those lessons, those skills, the motivation, the mindset that you brought to that field, you know, you kind of had to figure out how to bring that to the other places in your life where your life would take you. And so what you used to kind of put out on the field, now you're putting out into your, your career, into your life in other ways. And I think one of the questions that I have for you, because your shift was so sudden, right, from, from that high school football player to now, what do I do? What do I take these protective skills and these protective factors and how do I recreate them in other parts of my life? Yours was, like I said, a sudden kind of transformation or, or, or an immediate. I think a lot of our high schoolers, as they go through high school and are thinking about college, that transition may happen more gradually. Um, or if it does happen suddenly, what are some of the, what's some advice you can give them about trying to figure out that next step? You know, maybe still maintaining a love of the sport and involvement in the sport, but they won't all go on to play in college. You know, some will, but many won't, or they may choose not to. So how does that, how does that work? My recommendation would be 
do the hard thing. Like I think athletes tend to like do things that's in their wheelhouse. And I know I was guilty of that as a athlete, like, Oh, I'm Kevin the football player. Cause I'm good at football, you know, as opposed to being like, I'm also interested in architecture, but I don't want to take that CAD class because I'm like too cool for CAD or something. Like, I don't know when in reality, that's the hardest thing that that's the tough thing to do. And by putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation that doesn't have all your buddies in the class and has other kids with different skills and interest levels and stuff like that, that's where you grow. And I, I would challenge the athletes who are watching this to take that class that they might be intimidated to take or sign up for the school musical and try to participate in that or sign up for, or take the wood shop class or take the art class or take the class that like is not within your wheelhouse whatsoever. And I find that like the more you can do that and step into that unknown and I was looking at your website before I came on to the show and it was talking about COVID and how is a time unknown and stuff like that and how kids don't really know how to cope with what they're experiencing. And that COVID and, you know, ripping sports away from kids is very similar to an injury ripping sports away from kids. And if you're only doing stuff in your wheelhouse all the time, when something gets thrown at you that is not in your wheelhouse anymore. You don't know what to do. Anxiety is going to be high. You're going to be like, oh, who the heck am I? I'm not good at this. I'm feeling bad about myself. Like the more you can put yourself in that uncomfortable situation and kind of defy the odds or kind of like go against who you think you are, you'll build resiliency and kind of callous your mind to realize that, okay, I've done way harder things. Like I joined the school musical and I am terrible at singing, but I ended up doing, I found my niche in there and I made new friends I never would have made because I, you know, decided to take this on. And from what I find is like a guy that I interviewed, Bill Anthes, he, he kind of taught me this is like the unknown is scary, but the most growth comes from when you take that step into the unknown, which would be taking that class or taking that signing up for that new activity or whatever that might be. And taking it with aggression because the aggression part is the how, right? Mm. That's the how. And that's what you can control. And when you think about being an athlete and the process, like you don't become a high level athlete if you don't like have some level of like character and like work ethic and discipline and stuff like that. So that's always with you no matter where you go. So you might be terrible at something for a little bit. And to be honest, that's what happened with me with podcasting. You know, you mentioned my transition, which seemed abrupt, I guess, but it was it was a transition until it became a transformation when I made the podcast. That was my step into the unknown. I had never, I knew nothing about podcasting, knew nothing about microphones, knew nothing about interviewing. And when I first started, I was terrible. And to be honest, when I still listen to myself and compared to other people who podcast, I'm still terrible. But <laughs> I enjoy the process. I enjoy the challenge of going after interview guests and stuff like that, like the hustle of it. I'm still hustling. I'm just not sprinting on a field. It's all there, but it's in the unknown, which is always scary. It's all these areas that are unknown to the kids. But the be I challenge you. Like, you want to be tough, go do the hard thing. Go take that class that you're afraid to take. Like, you know, when, when I was in school, I was afraid. I didn't take any honors classes just because in my head, I like, I was an athlete. I'm not good at school. Like, I couldn't have done that. But looking back, like, I definitely could have done it. You know, it's just, I was too afraid to do it. 
And then that set me back when I was in college. Cause then I was, when I was given a, a tough class, I didn't necessarily know how to cope. I was like, get me out of here as opposed to like, let's dig in and like, let's get it, you know? So I'm just trying to give examples that hopefully they can relate to. But to me, it's, it's all about stepping into the unknown and stepping aggressively. That aggressive piece is what you can control. And I think you build resilience both as an, a current athlete, not knowing when the end of your career might be. And then also say you're no longer an athlete, whether it's due to COVID taking your season away or an injury taking your season away, you still have the ability to step into the unknown, you know? And when I was at Rutgers doing my undergrad, I still didn't step into the unknown. Like I look back and my transition was so long and wasn't a transformation because I wouldn't step out of my comfort zone. I still work for the football team, you know, which is great. I like football. I got to throw around. I got to go to practice, bowl games, whatever. Like it was fun, but I still held on to that. I'm a football player because I get to wear the gear that the Rutgers players wear around campus. And like, I'm still attached to football. Same thing. I chose sport management as my major, which is a great major, but it didn't, it wasn't a challenge for me. That was who I am. Like, that's my, uh, it's what I did. You know, it's all I knew. But it wasn't until I got kind of told I couldn't really work at a place I had threw all my eggs in this one basket. And they said, yeah, that's not really going to work out here. I'm like, all right, well, what am I going to do now? So I started the podcast. And even during that time, it took years. Like I said, like, I just stopped crying about this like four years ago. I'm 31 years old. So (laughs) it took a long time for me to get there. But it's just repeated times of going into the unknown, being uncomfortable, asking uncomfortable questions, and then kind of figuring it out. Not figuring it out, but enjoying the process of trying to figure it out. I don't think we're ever going to figure it out, but hopefully that wasn't too much rambling. But I hope that maybe yeah, you know, know, we talk a lot about resilience with the, with the kids, right? And, and with everyone about being resilient. And I think you touched on that a few times. And resilience is such an important play such an important role in, in our growth and in our mental health and in helping us um, figure out how to come back from different things. I love the the message that you're sending that, um, you know, you still have all those skills, right? All the skills that you had, you know, you have as an athlete, because you're always going to be an athlete, you know, athlete minded, right? And I, I think that, so I, I'm seeing a question here um, that was posed, and I think that you're, you know, sort of answering this question. It says, you know, was it difficult to learn to apply what you loved about sports to other things? And it sounds to me like that was like it was a challenge to be in the beginning, but that you just kept at it, right? You just got to go take that fear of the unknown and just keep moving forward, right? It's one of those things like you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking back. Like it's easy for me to see how it translates now. But like when I was younger, you could tell me a million different ways in a million different languages. And I still wouldn't really quite get it because I, you're just so fixated on this one thing, but I guess like, it's like following your interests, but then be com- being committed to those two. Like you can be interested in a million things, but you have to have some level of commitment to keep it going. And to me, whatever reason I got interested in this podcast thing and it just kept going. And five years later, I'm still doing it, but I learned, I was able to kind of translate those skills later on once I committed to something I'm like oh yeah like that kind of it, it works Kevin one of the things that we we talk about a lot is and I think you mentioned this in the beginning that it sounds like you knew that you were suffering from you know a concussion or you were having headaches but you were just 
couldn't tell the coach that, oh, you know, I, I have a headache. And I, I think that's a lot of some of the angst that some of the athletes have that they're, they, they respect their coaches so much and they don't want to let their team down. That, you know, sometimes they, they just don't want to going through. And so that kind of brings us to the next question, which is what advice can you give school coaches when it comes to monitoring or checking in on students who experience the pressures of, you know, being up to par with their sport? Are we talking like injuries? Like what does up to par mean? Uh, I, What's your interpretation about the par? Yeah, just like being able to to play that day, just being able to have that conversation, you know, with their with their coaches about how they're feeling, whether that's your case or or early. How do you encourage them to have those conversations with their coaches? Yeah, so I think that's a few things actually, and it all stems from the coach. You know, like it's a culture that you build. So as a coach, you got, you have to build a culture that is okay to say those things. And in the era that I grew up, it was never that. Like, I remember being told when I was seven years old by like our dads, like suck it up, get back in there. So, and that's in my head from the time I was seven years old. So as a coach, you have to, the language that you use, how you talk about other kids that get hurt, how you, you know, it it all goes into you have to build a culture where it's kids aren't afraid to say those kind of things. And from a kid's perspective or an athlete's perspective, to me, it's almost like you have to drop the ego. And I, what I mean by that is like, I know when I was that age, I was like, Oh, well, you know, if I'm hurt, I'm still better than the next guy who like can come in behind me. When in reality, it's like actually not true at all in most cases. So it's almost like you have to trust your teammates that they can still fill in for you and drop the ego being that you don't have to be that guy. And you can sit out this week with knowing that you can safely return the following week or even two weeks later and still play the game. Like my decision was to play with a concussion. I didn't know I had a concussion, but I had those symptoms bad enough that I should have said something. And because I chose to not drop the ego and I wanted to be that guy, I never play football again. (laughs) So that's the alternative. Like if you want to play the long game, speak up. But again, the coaches have to build a culture where that's an okay thing to do. And that goes to like how you talk about even like professional athletes, like, Oh, if you glorify someone, Oh, do you see that? I don't know. I'm I'm a football guy. So I always use football references like Patrick Mahomes. He, uh, got his head slammed in the playoff game, but then he was back the next week for the playoff game. What a great job he did. Like, I wouldn't be saying that, you know, I would, I'd be like, Oh, wow. I, I'm surprised he, he got back in there. Like, I think I'm actually a little concerned for him. I, I probably wouldn't have done that if I was his coach or athletic trainer, I would have, you know, probably tried to encourage him to stay. Cause we want him in our organization for 10 years, you know? Yeah. Next week is an important game, but you know, who knows what we can achieve in, in 10 years with having him healthy. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a lot of it's language and what you glorify and what you encourage, you know, or, Along those lines. Yeah. Kevin, I know, I know you mentioned about the culture and how what you experienced um, back when you were playing football, what the culture was like. How do you feel that culture has changed? And I know you mentioned that the coaches weigh in a lot on how they create a culture for their each of their teams. The next question also has to do with parents, you know, and, and how do parents maybe help support their students and their athletes in terms of that culture and if they are experiencing challenges to continue to participate. If they are injured, how do they redefine themselves? What's the culture for, for from the parent also to to help their child take care of themselves? No, I think that's a great question. I think the parents play a huge role as well. 
if you're only encouraging things that great job on the field or great, you're only encouraging the great things. Then when that athlete doesn't have a great game and you're like, you know, walk home, obviously that's not going to be too great for their mental health. And if they're anything like me, they'll probably take it into the next game too. And then it'll just be a continuous cycle of, you know, turmoil. But I think a lot of times, I mean, I'm not a parent, so it's hard for me to speak on it, but if you're trying to live through your kid and you want that kid to get that scholarship and all your focus is putting all this energy and focus into this sport, when that's taken away, that kid's going to think like the only worth that he or he or she has to give to the world is through that sport. And I felt that way too. And I think that's why I was so afraid to like in college, not work for the football team and, you know, take up an engineering degree or something, you know, like, because I, I'm not saying my parents were like that. Honestly, if you met my parents, they're not like, super athletic people. So they, they didn't like push me in that kind of way, but for a reason, that's how I thought. But I'm just saying like, you have to encourage other things. Like I would even say like the coaches, like the coaches should come up with a thing, like challenge the athletes. Like, Oh, what are you doing this winter? Yeah. You're going to be lifting for your sport or whatever, but why don't you try for the school musical? Like I'll give you 10 helmet stickers. If you try for the school musical or something like that, like and a lot of college programs are starting to come around to doing very similar things like with beyond football programs or beyond the game programs for all their sports to kind of encourage athletes to get out of their comfort level, comfort zones and try other things. I totally agree with you. And I think that like I'm hearing some of my students, like, you know, the counseling sessions that, that, that we've had with them and it definitely, they built into their range, you know, the things that they've heard going along, but Perhaps if they're hearing all along that, you know, because they're still going to, if you're athletic and you're good and you enjoy what you do, they're still going to be training and they're still going to be going out there and they're still going to be enjoying their time with their peers on the, on the field or the court. So the message is not necessarily like if you don't get out there because you got injured and suck it up that they're going to be a loser for the rest of their life because that's not, that's really not a true message. It's not even a good message, but it's actually not a true message um, because they're still going to be good. They're still going to be good at what they do. No, I think that's like exactly what you said. Like it's not a true message. Like that's the voice in your head, like talking that you need to be like, yo dude, like you need to shut the heck up. Cause like, I want to still play in two weeks, you know, or like, I mean, you're talking to the right guy in terms of like, the voice in your head telling you terrible things. And it's like, it's a, it's a constant struggle that I deal with on a daily basis. But when you can kind of address that and be like, you tell it to shut up and then you kind of persevere forward. I, I think there's, there's definitely validity to that, that statement. Yeah. And Kevin, that's, that is actually what, you know, what we work with a lot of the students on, on teaching them like, that voice, you know, oftentimes we say to them, that voice lies to you, you know, just because you're thinking that doesn't necessarily mean that that's true. It's just something that, you know, it's the anxiety talking or the depressive uh, thoughts talking. And it's just trying to separate yourself from that. And, you know, doing healthy things like, you know, okay, I didn't have, maybe I don't think I had the best game that, that I played, right? But I know I'm going to get back out there next week and I'm going to try my best, you know, things along those lines that, that help them. And, um, you know, along the lines of what you're saying about the messages that, that coaches can send, that is along the lines of, of what the, you know, the healthcare workers, you know, what the mental health care workers 
that's why now, you know, as part of the initiative of what, uh, what the um, Aligned Wellness Center wants to do is letting the sports at the beginning of the year, just, you know, recognizing that there's support systems out there that they can go talk to, that if they're feeling anxious or depressed or whatever it is, sometimes it's just a matter of just sharing with someone else that's, you know, a professional and helping get that support. They can feel better. Those are some of the things that we definitely want to get started. You know, that that's part of the, the, the message that we want to, that we definitely want to spread. So, you know, just see how successful, you know, you turned out, right. It seems like you're, you're happy with what you're doing. That that's a, a very strong message for, for the kids as you know, as a role model for them to see that. Well, Dr. Esposito, I mean, I definitely agree with what you just said. And if the athletes think of it in terms of performance thing too, you know, like that voice in your head, like it'll not only help you with your mental health and just your day-to-day life and how, how you kind of carry yourself, but from a performance perspective, like that voice is still there when you're up at bat and it's like, oh, well, you strike out the last three times. Like you're going to do it again, dude. In order to shut that voice up, it, it'll, you, you working with individuals like yourself, like you can improve that as well. And those slumps won't be as long and, you know, you can work, work through that stuff. Um, and from my personal experience, I saw sports psychologist after my injury to help me kind of work through things as well. And to be honest, the podcast was therapeutic in that too. You know, like I got many opportunities to tell my story and tell I feel and cry a lot and ask people questions and advice on how they were able to cope and what worked for them. And after 160 interviews, like I started feeling better and I don't think of myself as Kevin Sam, the football player. I don't think as t- of toughness as being, you know, having big muscles and playing hurt and things that I can't control anymore. You know, it's doing the hard thing, which is what I've been saying the whole time. And, you know, one, of, one of the questions that came up was, um, would you have any advice or suggestions for parents who are, st- are trying to help their children navigate through an injury? that has, you know, changed their ability to participate in sports? I mean, how do they help their, their child figure out how to get on with that next part of their life or transition or transform? How do they help their child navigate that maybe even medically as well as, you know, the mental health perspective? Yeah. So I don't think I dove into this too much, but one of my favorite interviews that I did ever um, was just with this guy, Vince Ruiz. And he was a veteran, an army veteran, and really struggled with PTSD, overcame drug addiction and everything like that. And the first time I met him wasn't on the podcast. It was at this hike that we were doing with another friend of ours. And my friend had told him about my podcast and everything. I was, and he asked me about the podcast. So I was like, Vince was like, oh, I heard you. T- I, I, I told him like, oh, I, I talk about overcoming injuries, illness, obstacles, the athlete transition to life after sports and stuff like that. He's like, Oh yeah, the transformation. I'm like, what? Like I never heard someone say the transformation to life after sports. Everyone always says the transition to life after sports. So, you know, the reason why I thought that was intriguing is because when you think about the two words, transition is like you're just at the whim of the world, like whatever wave are thrown your way or anything that comes in your way, it's just like you're the victim. And it's just like it, you kind of are just at the will of God if you believe in those things. Whereas when it's a transformation, transformations take action. You can't just like sit there and expect to transform. It, it doesn't happen. So it's really a transformation, but you have to take steps towards doing that and taking steps into the unknown in many cases. So a long way to answer your question or my advice to 
parents who have injured athletes is to encourage your injured athlete to do a different activity that they're still able to do. And I would recommend doing it something completely different than a sport, but with the caveat that it's also important to sweat still. So I think a lot of times when kids get hurt, they just sit around in a room and like stare, scroll through Instagram or TikTok, I guess what the, the kids these days are, are watching. And then they kind of fall into this loop of like, oh, well, well, look what everyone else is doing. And I'm just still sitting here doing nothing, feeling bad for myself. So I think sweating, like even say you hurt your, I don't know, there's, there's plenty of things you could do to like get a sweat on, whether it's riding a bike or going for a walk or a hike, or there's always something that you can do. There's arm bikes that you can go, mm-hmm. you can ride. Like there's, there's plenty of things that you can still do that makes you feel active and, and moving. Um, but I guess the other piece is getting out there and doing things that are going to be challenging. Cause I think that's part of why athletes enjoy sports is the challenge of it and the areas to improve and get better. And a lot of times I talk about it's finding a distraction. So like that new thing, say it's, I'm just using like painting for an example. Like you go on Amazon, you buy a little canvas and some paint supplies and you want to paint the picture. It starts off as a distraction. And then that kind of evolves to like a little bit of skill acquisition. Maybe you go on YouTube and you look for some techniques and you start blending some colors and making this cool picture that in the end, you're like pretty proud of it. And then that little feeling you hold on to, and then you want to make another picture and you make that one a little better. You watch some more YouTube videos and that skill acquisition is what I think translates a lot to sports and what's great about sports. I told you like my team was terrible. I didn't like sports because we won and we did good. Like I like sports because it was hard. I like the challenge of it. I like to get better. I like the competitiveness of it. And you can still do that in like a million different areas. It's just making that commitment. And like I said, like it's not just painting one picture. I mean, if you don't, if you not have fun, then don't do it. Find something else. But if you, if you enjoyed it, all right, I'm going to commit to doing another one and making it a little better and challenging myself and making a bigger picture or I don't know, paint it on a different surface. So that's my advice to, to parents is to push them into different activities that would be challenging and they can gain some new skills. That is, I, I, and I love the way you said, um, you know, the, the, it's like the art of distraction, right? When you're, you know, you're going through some, uh, a tough time is not to necessarily, you don't want to ignore, you know, the problem, but you also don't want to let that problem consume you, you know, so that it consumes you so much that you don't, you know, you miss out on and everything else that's going around you or engaging in something that's, you know, a very positive distraction for you. And that leads me into a lot of the discussions that we have because, you know, high schools like that, you know, what we're, what we're hoping to do is like they're, they're going to be productive and then move on to whatever they're going to do in their, their next chapter of their lives, you know. Um, and oftentimes they're struggling with some mental health concerns and, and they're not being addressed. And then they get onto that, that college campus. And, you know, there the isolation can be even more devastating. And so, you know, some of the things that the initiatives that, that we want to start is actually, and, and I heard this from a friend, you know, uh, where her daughter goes to Bucknell um, and was on the swimming team there. And she said that what they do is, is that whenever the student athletes come in, immediately they have to hook themselves up or, or take a screener just to kind of get a, a baseline of how they're feeling. And what it is, is it's, you know, what we want to say to the student, anybody wants to pry or they want to, you know, hey, you must have some 
some mental health issues. It's just about normalizing it. You know, it's just about normalizing like there is support. And at times, you know, we all have stressors that we go through and, you know, it could be as simple as, like you said, just, just finding another distraction when you're, you know, really caught up in something or um, not feeling yourself that you get caught up in another, uh, in something and something that's fun. So, you know, that, that really goes along with the message that we want to send um, to, you know, destigmatize those mental health concerns and, and just make it normal for, you know, using those coping strategies of, you know, perhaps if you're not feeling good today, get on that bike and start doing something else, right? You know, find that, that hiking trail or, you know, whatever it might be to just make yourself feel better, redirect yourself. Yeah. And I think in many areas of sports, like everything kind of trickles down from the top, like from professional and then eventually college starts adopting it. And then lastly, high school tops adopting. It. And I think high school is, they're still behind the eight ball on a lot of this stuff. I mean, you guys, obviously at Sparta, it's like incredible, the program that you have available to the students, you know, it's, and if I was a coach at Sparta, I would be sending, you know, having regular interactions with you guys to normalize that uh, relationship. But I think slowly but surely, I think more and more high schools will start adopting, you know, those types of program. Hopefully I interviewed a coach recently who I think he won like back-to-back state titles, undefeated seasons, and like they didn't tackle at practice once. So an emphasis on safety and keeping your players healthy, your best players healthy is what ultimately led to their success. And now, I mean, that's far different than what it was like when I grew up, but I think more and more teams are starting to adopt that. But I'm just saying like, that's an initiative that probably started in the NFL with collective bargaining and like very formalized process. And then colleges are like, Oh, well maybe we should try to start thinking about our players health and stuff like that too. And now slowly, but surely high school is starting to do the same thing. And hopefully, you know, conversations like this can spark some ideas and other schools doing similar things. Yeah. I guess the hope is that that'll also, you know, not only in terms of physical safety and protectiveness, but also that people will become coaches and, and, players and even teammates will become more aware of um, the mental health aspect. hundred percent. That's what I was alluding to. Yeah. I, I, I just want to give a shout out to our Sparta high school coaches too, because a lot of the coaches that we have, they're actually the ones who were, who make the referrals, you know, to the aligned wellness center. And, um, you know, that's going to be part of our discussion, you know, our ongoing discussions is, you know, how do we get that mindset, you know, not, not only amongst, you know, the, um, the coaches and teachers and all that, but just amongst our, the student-athletes. and Jane, I would echo that. I have to really compliment um, the coaches. That There's been on more than one occasion they've reached out to me concerned about a student or or if I've had to reach out to them regarding something that's going on with the student, they're very receptive to it. And I think that um, makes it so much easier for these changes to start to take place and for athletes and parents and teammates to feel more comfortable with that and, and more comfortable looking out for each other in that way. Yeah, it's great to hear that the coaches are so supportive of the program. Well, thank you. I, you know, Kevin, you, you, I, I feel like you, you know, said so much and, and I, I can't wait to keep resharing this, you know, with our, with our athletes and, um, you know, our, our community, because this is, this is what we need. And that's why George and Karen, you know, to, to have us on here and work collaboratively, because that's, that's one of the things that we want to do, you know, love when, you know, parents are in, like practitioners in the community and, so I know we're going to keep having these conversations. So we really, really appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. And honestly, like if, if you have an athlete that you think would be beneficial for them to chat with me, I'm more than glad to do so. I, I love talking to athletes and trying to help them navigate that, that stuff mentally. And 
I feel like I don't know. That's what I live for a lot of the time. So it's cool. I think your message, uh, you know, coming from an athlete, going to an athlete would really resonate so, so well for them because um, you've walked their path before and um, it would really help them and support them as they're trying to figure things out for themselves. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like it's not easy, like whether you get hurt or whether your career ends just because you, you graduated, like it's never easy. So obviously like I'd be glad to be here for someone to help them give them ideas on different avenues to, to test out. And if I could help, great. If not, it's all a good tip. <laughs> I really liked your message about trying to find those areas where they could challenge themselves and, and have growth in other areas. Cause I think that's just so important, not only for athletes, but for all, all of us, but you know, whether you're currently an athlete or you're kind of wrapping up that part of your life, I think being to explore other parts of who you are and not just defining yourself one dimensionally uh, is so important. And that goes for, for any type of interest or talent a person has is really exploring the entirety of who they are is, is really important. Yeah. I, I feel like your message um, can transcend for so many things. And I know Karen, um, you had mentioned, you know, at the beginning too, that, you know, you yourself went through some sort of health struggles or whatever it is. And like this message can be used for, for anything, you know? So very important. Thank you. Yeah, I think absolutely. I love like, you know, listening to all you guys talk about this stuff because it's so important. You know, I mean, just the the toughness part that Kevin was sharing. I'd love to see you so happy. You know, you're so happy today. And listening to you, Kevin, I mean, it, you look like a million bucks. And I think your message is so valuable. I was just curious, you guys, some of these kids who do get through like injuries, right? Do they too want to like kind of mentor some of these kids who are kind of having a tough go? I do. I mean, it's even some of the, um, the kids that I'm counseling, you know, with right now, um, in my opinion, you know, they're all student leaders They're student athletes. They're, they're, they're leaders to, to begin with. And I think that once they recognize that, you know what, Hey, I'm not the only one going through this. They want to spread, you know? So, and, and that's exciting for us because that's, that's really a lot of is there's no shame in this. There's, there's no shame in it at all. I, I often say to the kids, I'm like, so is there a difference if, you know, you have a physical ailment and it's okay to wear that cast? Of course, you know, nobody wants to go and, you know, spread every, all of their inner thoughts to, to everyone else, but it's okay to just go say, hey, I'm, I'm hurting right now. But the message that we send is that it, it is going to be okay. And I think that that's what, Kevin, that you're saying too, is that in time, you put some focus on some things and you, you're multi-talented. You're, you're going to be okay. I think the more and more um, students who feel comfortable reaching out for that support and once they receive that support, it's like this relief that kind of washes over them. And that's not to say there isn't a, a road that they have to, to take to to really get in a better place. But I, I think the more that that happens and the more that they share that and pass that forward, hopefully we'll have a greater acceptance of it and more students being open and willing to accepting that kind of help and seeking it out. So it starts small and then it spreads, right? Yeah. So I have a question, you guys. Is it common that, like, you know, you have these high school kind of spirit days or whatever? Um, what are those called when you go in the gym and you kind of get riled up? Pep rallies. Pep rallies. Pep rally. Okay. So I'm going to ask a kind of silly question. Do you ever do like uh like everybody stand around and say how they're feeling? Like I'm having a tough day. You know, my grandmother's sick. You know, I'm not doing well in school. You know, or I mean, the admission of it is like half the battle. <laughs> yeah. And you know, for me, the fact that 
you know, I wanted to be able to tell it. And Kevin, you know, reminds me of being able to talk about it and to tell the story and to cry about the story or to say, like, you know, I became the water fitness instructor from the experience. You know, like good comes out of bad, but you have to have a place where people are going to listen and you can say, hey, you know, I broke my ankle, you know, in the middle of season two, you know, and I'm out now. Once you can tell everybody and others can go, oh, me too. You're like, oh, really? You know, because Kevin kind of reminded me of that. You know, you feel like you're alone and nobody knows, nobody cares, nobody's done this. But the minute you hear others express it, it like the pep rally, me. but the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the community aspect of it, I'm sure it's it's huge, you know? Like, I'm sure it's half the battle. And I think that's Kevin, what athletes miss you, when they are taken from their sport is that community and being able to easily talk to their friends and stuff like that about that or whatever. So, But, Kevin, didn't you start talking to friends? Or you – I mean, you and I met for lunch. I told the story. Yeah. You no, yeah. start to tell it. When you experience it, you think you're the only person I did. I also wanted to say something about that like pain cycle, you know, of like when you're down, you're you're low. You you can't do stuff to come back from an injury and you've been through something. But there's like wonderful coaches and mentors and guys like you that, you know, and the coaches obviously sound so terrific in Sparta that are like, yeah, you can't, you know, like I need somebody like that every day <laughs> yeah. i had george <laughs> you know and and you've got determination <laughs> too you know you guys i mean which is so great yeah i mean i think kevin and i have both become I think, voices I think of we all, we all find sometimes is that once there's this there's you know there's two people who can connect over it and then you realize that there's actually even another person and then another person and so you realize how many people are there to support you and to be on board with those kind of things from, from parents to coaches, to teammates, to friends. And yeah, nobody really does walk that alone. Everyone walks their own path, but it is that can be traveled in so many unique ways by so many people. So that sharing that common experience um, is so important. I'd like to just chime in some kudos to just Spar the Sparta administration for putting this, this group together. You know, you're, the group and you know you have some heavyweights here with uh dr lorenz and and dr esposito running this stuff you know it's like sometimes you see like these signs up that say you know this is a stigma free zone and and i think there's some good motives behind that but put kind of putting your money where your mouth is is really what sparta has done with your group and like you just said uh dr lorenz or jane um maybe you said it was about the fact that, you know, high school is kind of a weird time for people like, you know, they're you come in as a baby, you leave as a, you know, a man with a mustache and, you know, hairy chest and all this stuff. You know, a lot of changes are happening there. And, you know, you have breakups that's may seem devastating. You have an injury where your career, you know, you're you're you got to reinvent yourself. I mean, it sounds so logical to have a group like what, what you ladies are doing and your team there seems to make a lot of sense. And kudos to Sparta for just putting that together. Well, we appreciate it. And again, you know, any, anytime you say, Hey, you know, we welcome you back or whatever it is, you know, we're gonna, or we're calling you back up again. Okay. So, cool. we'll, we'll keep doing that then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's great to hear you guys. And so I just 
those conversations with, you know, Kathy Willie, you know, she's one of our basketball head basketball coaches. There's also a parent. She's also, her name is um, Dr. Sweeney. She's actually a clinical psychologist. So her daughter is actually on the girls basketball team also. Allie, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's, you know, so again, it's that, that integration of just having like community and professionals and, you know, just hearing everyone's stories and journeys and it just, uh, it's just, just wonderful. So thank you. Thank you all, all of you, Kevin and Karen and George. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Thank you everyone so much. So listen, um, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this up and Kevin, I know that you, you've kind of touched on this quite a bit in this, but I'm going to end this with the question you always ask your guests. Okay. So Kevin, to sum this up, what would your, for a message for all those young athletes and maybe even adults and anybody who's listening, what's your best definition of toughness? <laughs> I, I, after all these, hearing all these definitions of toughness throughout the years, I'll, I'll keep it simple, but uh, I'd say it's my definition of toughness is doing the hard thing. And if, if it's, if it's hard, you probably found the right thing. So <laughs> I, I would go with that. Even if it's like sticking yeah. up for, a kid who's getting bullied, like that's the hard thing. That's the tough thing. Those are the kind of things I'm talking about. Like putting yourself in uncomfortable situations, like healthy, uncomfortable situations. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's the tough thing as well. Like taking the hard class. I love it. I love it. Well, thank <laughs> you, Kevin and Dr. Esposito. Thank you so much. And uh, Dr. Lorenz and Karen Muha and uh, the Sparta administration again for, for allowing us to, to be part of what you, what you're doing there. And uh, I wish you the best of luck and we'll see everybody soon. So uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much, everybody. Thank you. Guys. Thank, Bye you. Guys. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.